Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Addict Headquarters and wishing everyone a very happy new year. Our show today should be a fascinating one, for we're paying tribute to silent films, an art form dear to the heart of our guest, indie filmmaker John K. Carpenter. And that's why, for our intro music, we played some of Charlie Chaplin's wonderful background score for Modern Times, his last silent movie. And who better to serve as our co-host for this topic than friend of the show, Diana Sanger, founder and editor of Classic Movie Guide. We'll hear more about John in just a few minutes, but let's bring Diana on right now to see if she's ready to help with the show. Diana, thanks for coming back today to co-host our Silent Films tribute. Oh, it's a pleasure to be asked, Betty Jo, and that intro was so perfect. It put me right back in the theater seat. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, you're very welcome. I uh, we we wanted to have something like that that would set the mood for for our show today and uh um Daniel Dyer, uh, who is another friend of the show and sometimes serves as our assistant producer, found that particular version, and I thought it would be just perfect to uh, 
to get us started. And, and we're so glad you could be with us, Diana. I know how much um, you enjoy silent movies, and I, I'm so glad that our producer extraordinaire, Nikki Starr, is with us to take care of our chatters. Nikki, are all systems going in the chat room? They are, and we are ready. Excellent. Thanks, Nikki, to you and to the people who signed up for the chat, as well as our other listeners. Of course, we really appreciate all of you. I see our guest is on the line now, and I'm very excited to hear from him. John Carpenter has the perfect background to talk about silent films. He has parlayed his love of film, especially silent comedies, and 16mm collecting in the directing and starring in Late to Lunch, a delightful homage to silent filmmaking, which I know he'll be telling us about today. He's also a noted film historian who has hosted a classic film program and a lecture series featuring his own personal collection of film prints that he preserved and restored himself. Welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters, John. Betty Joe, this is a true and total honor to be with the three of you ladies. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's such a treat to have you with us, John. We've been looking forward to this for such a long time, and I, I know Diana agrees with me. Diana, why don't you start the ball rolling with the first questions for John? Well, I'd love to. I think we need to know how you became interested in silent movies. It's such a, a unique thing. Well, that began. Well, this is truly proof that this is a lifelong love of mine, and I turned it into a career, which is all the more better. Um, the thing is that as a little child, I stumbled across a station when I was not allowed, but was using nonetheless my grandmother's television set. I was maybe <laughs> six years old and told, "Do not turn that dial." Well. <laughs> I turned that dial, and in going through the stations, which were kind of bleary at the time, it being one of those old kind of TV sets, uh, even for the 60s, it was old. But uh, I came across something that was totally new to me, and it was a clip of what I later found out was Charlie Chaplin and Mabel Normand. Now, Mabel Norman and Charlie Chaplin uh, began their... They really began film history. And Chaplin was the king from this first to second short film that he made. Uh, a one-reel short, which was the majority of the time the film would run, was about ten minutes long in the initial days of film. Ooh. This goes back to 1914, Films had really begun to be made back in the 1800s, and in France even prior to that. But uh, Thomas Edison brought the patents and the copyrights here, of which there were lots of actual battles and wars, and why we went to California, which is very interesting, because we, the, the earliest filmmakers took these Edison-patented cameras to California, which was all rural at the time, and made films there to stay out of the uh, clutches of the cops, the police, or the Keystone Cops it became. But um, the reason why I got into film was I just noticed as a child 
there was something different, something magical about watching these characters who were oddly strange at the time to this little six-year-old, and it was it was magic. There was this magical how you were drawn to the image. There was no sound to distract you or to let you know what was really there or going on. You had to really become one with the screen, one with the silent image, what I did, which I didn't. And it's great that you began the show with Charlie Chaplin's song, Smile. That was, I applaud you for that because that coming from modern times, that was released in, in around 1935 when talkies were way, way in in the midst of things and uh, silence were no more by that time. But Chaplin felt his character couldn't speak and shouldn't speak and wouldn't be accepted by its audiences if he did speak. So in that very prevalent time of sound talking films, he actually made a silence that was a big success. After that, he made, of course, sound films, but um, he proved that silence were golden. Well, I just saw Modern, Modern Times on Turner yeah. Classic Movies the other night, and I had never seen it before, and what a treat it was, and, and all the things that you're saying about how you're just you know drawn into mm-hmm. this movie because of the of the visuals there and mm-hmm. um and 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 the background background music was just just gorgeous especially mm-hmm. that particular that particular theme but i i didn't mean i didn't mean to interrupt you uh oh, no. and i know diana still still has a a, a question for you so uh, i'm sorry diana but i couldn't resist it i you <laughs> know i'm hooked okay. to turner classic movies <laughs> oh yeah we're all, me too we're me all too. addicted to that channel especially yeah. because it's showing films that you don't normally get a hold of visually and you you at least people like me who's actual film historian you're actually able to see films, especially of the pre-code era. The pre-code era was before there was a decency code, and some pretty uh, outrageous things happened in those films. So you really get to see, uh, you get an, an eye view into what the time was actually like in America. But now, Diane, I'm cut you off. I apologize. No, that's... You're right up my alley. I love Turner Classic Movies, and I've done five festivals with Robert Osborne, so you couldn't, really? be in, couldn't have gone to a better place. It's wonderful. And, so Diana, me, you were one of the guest speakers, I think, or guest panelists at, um, at a couple five of Five years Robert in a row, yes, mm-hmm. yes. All right. Congratulations. Thanks. So, John, tell me who some of your favorite silent stars or favorite silent mm-hmm. films well, are. Well, well, my, I'm very glad that you asked that question because I've become a huge devotee of his. And my father took me to see, I was always interested in silent films, as I told you, but my father, in the early days of my life, took me to see a double feature, when they still had double features, that is, of Breakfast at Tiffany's and a silent film compilation documentary called Four Clowns. One of those four clowns was a comedian by the name of Charlie Chase. Now, why should Charlie Chase grab my attention so much? Chase was, all the comedians shared one thing at that time. They all wore very outrageous costumes. Their actions could not be reality-based. 
they were kind of surreal, especially in the case of Harry Langdon, who was a grown-up baby, but um, you couldn't picture them. This also includes Harold Lloyd and Chaplin. You couldn't picture them actually surviving in America alive. Hmm. And But um, the thing was that Charlie Chase was a regular man of his period, of his time. He was a dapper Dan of that jazz age when these films were released. And really, he's considered as being the first man to invent the sitcom. Because most of oh. his comedies were based... I'm sorry if I did it. Did I cut you off? No, no, I no. think everything oh. is okay. okay. I just was, I just did not know that about Charlie Chase, and oh, I'm, no. I'm just learning so much. So go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Once <laughs> you get me on a tangent, you believe me, I am going to run with it. But especially when it deals <laughs> with go. Chase. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Charlie Chase was the regular man, so you could see him, you could accept him, and not only was he very naturally attired, handsome man of his period, he got into situations such as with wives, that sitcom feel right mm-hmm. there, things that you normally could get into yourself. Um, and also he was either after women, they were after him, he was being blackmailed, one thing or the other, or his wife was a real shrew, and she was coming down on him for being jealous. But as he got himself into his problems, he then used his own intelligence to get himself out of those problems. And it was fantastic. This man was a regular man. And, and But he did one thing that a lot of the other, some of the comedians did do, the top kings of comedy did, and I think that's why they were the kings of comedy. But Chase wrote, directed, and starred in his films. He really didn't make features, unfortunately. He starred in short subjects, two real, one reel and two real comedies made and released by Hal Roach, the same company uh, that distributed and produced The Little Rascals, or shall I say The Our Gang, the Laurel and Hardy shorts, and uh, the Chase shorts, which Chase was the top banana at that time. And so Laurel and Hardy kind of Kind of, they kind of took over in the fame spotlight, but he really gave the studio the tempo, the pacing, the normalcy, the reality that made the Hal Roach comedies different and better. Up until that point, at when Max Sennett was producing comedies, they were all frenetic. The characters were were so oddly made up that. They could double as almost horror films with the huge mustaches. I mean, yes, Chaplin came from that period himself, but his character came from the English musical. And Mm -hmm. when they were in this country in 1913, visiting America and playing, uh, Max Sennett, who at that time was romantically involved with Mabel Normand, who was the female comedian of the studio, they went to see this Carnot night in an English musical. And there on stage was an older actor, so they thought, due to makeup, uh, Charles Chaplin playing the inebriate, better known as the drunk part 
in the film, and um, they hired him immediately. But then when he showed up at the studio the next day, here is this young guy. And they were totally shocked. What are we going to do with this guy? So their main star was the villain, Ford Sterling, another great comedian, very much burlesque kind of comedian of the villain type. And uh, he was leaving to go to a better-paying studio. So what they did was they hired Chaplin to be his replacement. They made he made one film. His first film, 1914, was called Making a Living, and um, thanks to a company by Black, named Blackhawk Films that was able to be gotten and seen and you know studied, and uh, they he they had Chaplin emulate that character, but then before you know it, they would go to live things happening in town and such in California, and they would just let the cameras roll and have the comedians do their slapstick stick, and uh, Chaplin came out with large shoes, baggy pants, and a very too tight waistcoat, and a small derby, and he became the inebriate again, the sassy little tramp character. But this he did himself, and where I'm saying that he, that's all and wonderful to be that, but Chase was a regular man, and this is why I was so attracted into emulating and understanding that comedy is real, it is reality-based, and that's... Well, he's your favorite. Charlie Chase yeah. is your favorite silent star, yeah. and then you also uh, said that you, you like... Uh, uh, Harold Lloyd, I, oh, I yeah, heard you yeah. mention Harold Lloyd, and yeah. then uh, Charlie Chaplin, but there's somebody missing there that I'm surprised <laughs> that, that you didn't mention, and um, it happens to be my husband's favorite, so I have to bring him up. Yes, please. Buster Keaton. Buster yes. Keaton, how did you feel about him? Keaton was great. See, Keaton was another one who directed and wrote the gags with his gag man, and he was he was 100% into every aspect of his filmmaking, which is what made those films, I think, so special See, because as Buster Keaton said himself, the, the comedians at that time they lived, they breathed, they dreamt, they they were their work, and that shows on screen. And Keaton, having come from the stage, also, uh, Keaton was known as the human mop, and he took great falls when his father would toss him around the stage, and his falls were called. Taking a Buster, which is how taking a Buster. Thing. Well, yeah. he certainly did uh, do that. And every every time I see a Buster Keaton movie on um, Turner Classic Movies, I mean, I'm exhausted <laughs> by the by how much I laugh. I mean, I just cannot I just cannot mm-hmm. uh, tell you how much he makes me laugh. But I'm just worn out because of all the antics. But I mean, we're 20 minutes into the show, and I, I want to make sure that we get a chance to hear from you about your own oh, projects you. uh, related to silent movies, and, and especially the silent movie that, that you've uh, made that's uh, available on DVD. So what do you consider your own most important projects dealing with silent movies? Well, and uh, tell us that, and then, and then talk a little bit about uh, Late to Lunch. Definitely. Well, my most important project is having these films 
seen by the people again, seen and learned to be appreciated and to be accepted. Uh, I'm working, I've always been working on genre recreation-esque type of films, mm-hmm. be them in sound or this final, which is, I think, my finite film. Uh, this I made late to lunch. I shot as either you're going to do it or not do it kind of a project, and... Um, I shot it in 1987. It is a total recreation of what a silent comedy was like, as if it was actually shot at that time. Cars, clothes, sets, totally authentic. And um, it has gotten me great fame and praise as a top independent filmmaker, because what independent, low-budget filmmaker is going to be able to recreate an era without Hollywood's utilization of a couple of million in their budget. But I was able to do this. And that possibly is one of the one of the things that the film The Artist has has out now that's out now has over mine, that million dollar budget. But I made my film to look see I didn't make my film even though it was shown in a lot of independent film festivals in New York, has gotten awards, has gotten great praise, thank goodness. Um I'm even trying to get it onto um, TCM, Turner Classic Movies, as well, because it is so well-absorbed and liked. It, But the reason why I think this film is important is because it it shows film as the art that silent film really is. And it's true, pure, clean comedy. And it also shows a sense of determination, such as the comedians in the old days did. This is how why I wrote it this way, because the character's determination to succeed at a goal, and no matter what what speed bumps get in their way, they still have the strength to continue on and go and get it. Yes, uh, and and isn't it available with uh, oh, on yeah. a DVD? Yeah. Which has um, your film on it and yeah. uh, twelve other yes, classic uh, silent comedies. Is yeah. uh, where where would that where would people get get that DVD? John? Thank you so much. It's at if you have a computer, you could go to www dot oldies dot com. And on the DVD section, it's on a compilation DVD called Silent Comedy Classics, which is really an honor to me that my film is so well accepted that it's able to be among the masters of silent comedy's works and blend in as an equal of sorts. And that was an honor. Uh, but it's only five ninety eight. It has about six Charlie Chase real rarities that you don't really find, you can't find anywhere on DVD, and Charlie Chase is something that I think everyone should experience, because not only did he, yes, inspire me to be a filmmaker, but uh, he, everyone who sees a Charlie Chase film leaves saying, this was great, this guy was great, because he's different, he's totally different, but it has two Charlie Chaplins, from the Keystone period. It has a rare film by an early comedian from the teens, John Bunny, and uh, which is in a sort of a sitcomish kind of a performer also. 
probably in trouble with his henpecking wife, but it has these Charlie Chase films. And these Charlie Chase films are not only hard to find, but you will find they are absolutely hysterical and warming to your heart in laughter. And But one of the main things about my film, which I think people will find very interesting, is I made this film not for the purists who knows that when they were originally shot on nitrate film stock, which is very flammable, and which also one actually... <laughs> burst in my house in the flame, <laughs> um, and almost killed almost killed my mother, Betty Jo. <laughs> oh no! Oh, I no. can laugh about that only because it didn't happen. But it but it did blow up and it blew out a wall, and it well that's the mark of a film historian preservation is you have to live what dangerous film will get you. And, I didn't the, realize that that was such a, a dangerous thing to do. Yeah. But my goodness, I'm glad that everybody survived and uh, that Thank we you. we can see that movie. And yeah. and again, I'm going to um, to tell our listeners uh, that they would be able to get the silent comedy classics DVD if they would go to www.com oldies o l d i e s dot com correct yes okay and i i encourage everyone who yes. who wants to know uh, uh to yes. have uh, lots of laughs uh, to yes. do that now you brought up the artist the new film yes. that's out and receiving so much acclaim yeah. my goodness it's on practically everybody's top 10 list and mm-hmm. diana will vouch for this uh diana the didn't the san diego film critics Award the artist as the best film of the year, or is my memory deceiving me? No, that's correct. We did. It was and a big, so, big uh, um, tug of war between it and Hugo, but the artist won out. But now the, the Hugo artist. was about silent film as well. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Absolutely, both. Were, I just, I'm just delighted with both of the films. But uh, the artist is is uh, winning lots of awards, and uh, I certainly expect it to be one of the no, I think it's a shoe in to be one of the nominees for Best Picture mm-hmm. and maybe a few other awards yeah. come Oscar time. But why why do you think, uh, John, that this film is being received so well by uh, critics and and by moviegoers? Well, it is something totally new to a lot of people in this in this country and they really have never experienced the pleasure of being lost and submerged in a visual image without being distracted by sound. Um, The one thing that I feel they really are attracted to is the fact that you could get so much more humanism from your character, from your story, and that's in a silent film. You're not taken away by dialogue, you know, and especially going back to another era in time, it's more human it isn't it isn't dirty it isn't sexually bent it's all about humanity and this learning and watching and becoming one with the screen um the artist initially threw me because it had a more 1940s big band musical track synchronized Mm -hmm. with it and that threw me but then I later realized that they probably did this because I don't think 
a 1920s soundtrack such as what my film has would be acceptable by the youth of today. Big band oh. music is more accepted than the rinky-tick dance band kind of music. Now, my film, uh, not that I hate bringing up my film again, but the Vitaphone Project, which is a known organization coming out of um, um, New Jersey, they supplied me because I wanted to be a total purist with my film. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I added scratches to the film. I added pops of dirt. Uh, I just, oh. just, just as you would imagine, as you remember a silent film looking, that's how I made it look. Because I was starting to say once before that I didn't make it as us film purists know if silent film was like on nitrate, sharp and clear, crystal clear film stock, it's what normal people will remember silent film looking like, which is scratchy, dirty, and splicey. But what I did also was I went to the source. I went to Vitaphone. Ron Hutchinson is the president of that organization, and they restore the earliest sound films. Now, when silent films were still being produced, and, but had to be shown in theaters, they wanted them to still be marketable. So what the the studios would do, they would record a uh, an orchestra synchronizing music to the film as if there was an actual orchestra in the pit while the film was being played in front of the audience. What mm -hmm. I did, I had them supply me with mood music discs that were exactly used for this purpose. When silent films was, came to a theater, the theater projectionist would put on fast a fast music record, a sad music, a comedy routine sort of type of music theme, you know? Now, I had those records, so I synchronized my film as if it was a disc-synchronized uh, Vitaphone film of that period. Oh. But I see. So that made it. Uh, so that was was as you say, like a purist would yes. would make a silent film, and the artist um, sort of deviated uh, from that with the with the type of uh, soundtrack that it that it had. Yeah. Diana, yeah. Um, did, do you agree with uh, John about why the artist is being uh, so well received by critics and moviegoers? I do. I do. I. I, I... I tend to hesitate, though, if it wins the Oscar, that it's going to get a big showing because so many mm. people refuse to see, you know, right. subtitled movies, which is a shame because um, right. although I thought this one was too long, it was it was very well done and enjoyable, and you know, like I, exactly like um, John says, you know, you you get to see those emotions actual happening right before you without words describing him, you know, like sexual chemistry happening between the, in the romance and, mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. It just happens, and it's it's pure, and it's just like you said, humanity. And it is just a charming film. I, I just uh, thought that the, uh, of course it had, to me, being a... You know, an old hoofer. I mean, it had some tap dancing in it, and in fact, I think it had the most, the happiest ending of ever, of any movie all year. And the whole idea of the of the uh, the icon from the silent films uh, just not wanting to be involved in the talk talkies at all. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. And then here comes this. Oh, this. Uh, Beautiful, peppy, 
young young gal who becomes sort of like the it girl and uh, her star is rising as the as the icon's star is kind of falling it was almost like a combination of uh, singing in the rain and uh, a star is born but right. of course they were they were talkies and and this and this had a more human humanistic uh, plot I think and and I thought it was just it was just great so Betty? I I'm encouraging everybody to see the artist and I hope it does revive interest in the in the silent movie as as an art uh, as an art form but um, Diana I know you have some other some more questions that you'd like to ask John please yes. Um... What what do you think that current filmmakers might learn from the success of the artist? Well, as as Betty was saying, very good question, by the way, Diana, um, and it is important because a lot of filmmakers of today don't know of this as watching modern films. And that, um, Betty Joe, my question to you is: Do you feel that this ending that you that you think was so absolutely fantastic? Do you think it was? so fantastic because you really got closer with the actors, their characters. You really cared for them, no? Yes, we really, really cared for them. I mean, the the rapport, the chemistry mm-hmm. between those two characters, I mean, it just jumped right off the screen. And yep. uh, it was, you know, you couldn't understand why it took so long <laughs> to to kind of get the to get the two of them together, but uh, and then when they did get together, I just wanted to stand up and cheer. So right. there you are. But then, did you feel that way with any modern sound films of today? Oh gosh, I would. Well, I did. Uh, this is not so modern. I mentioned Singing in the Rain, but of I had course. the same. I had the same feeling. Right. With Singing in the Rain, it it brought back that same. Same feeling. For yeah, me. Well, they still had they they were emulating the same period that the artists really captured so well. They and it was also an older time. It was it was an older older time also when character and characterization, such as what you get in a silent film, such as the artist and my film Late to Lunch. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Um, never, <laughs> I can hardly, <laughs> I, can hardly I, I truly to... am a publicity whore, aren't I? Well. Now, <laughs> Well, we want to help you spread the word about it. And I can, I certainly can't wait to, can hardly wait to see it. And um, I'm just wondering, uh, since the time is going by so quickly, but for there are some listeners that might want to know uh, a little bit more about uh, silent films now that now that they've heard you. They can ask me anything uh, in this tribute. What would be, what are the what? would you advise in terms of you if you had to pick five mm-hmm. silent movies that you would recommend classic silent yeah. movies which which five would would they be okay they should get their pens out now okay yes. here we go <laughs> okay uh safety any well really any of the harold lloyd films the harold mm-hmm. lloyd silent films especially safety last that's where he's up on the clock. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the, and the gay, okay. and that's the thing about Key, uh, Lloyd. Lloyd, Lloyd and his staff—they worked so hard to build and build and build and build to that final denouement of that final gag. Every, there was there's a laugh every minute in the Harold Lloyd film. Uh, and Buster Keaton, most people would say the general, although I don't really feel that's a comedy. It's a great recreation of the Civil War time, but I love, personally, Seven Chances. 
where he oh, gets. Yes. Are you familiar? Oh, I love Seven Chances. That's, ah. that's where the brides. There that's you where are. The, where, that's where this guy is, finds out that he can inherit his yes. uh, a fortune from his grandfather if he gets married <laughs> by seven o'clock that night, and the, all the things he has to do, and the, this scene with these almost thousands of women dressed in bridal gowns <laughs> <laughs> chasing after him. It's just hysterical. It's I'm great. so glad you have that one on your list. Oh, thank you. Okay, so you, you've got Safety Last, The General, Seven Chances. Okay. What would be your, your um, other... Another, another Harold Lloyd is Why Worry, where he's a rich or a rich guy, and he really is a, a nothing as a human being, but he go he ends up going to South America, and him and he with a... Uh, a giant. I mean, he's like a seven foot tall guy. Who, he he stops a revolution in the country, and it's it's, it's marvelous, really. But any Harold Lloyd is more. Grandma's boy is very sentimental. The kid brother, they're all beautiful, sentimental, and very funny films. Although, if you want pure comedy, it's Safety Last, a hundred percent. With Chaplin, it would be Modern Times at the top. If you really want to get your heart broken, it's City Lights. Yeah. They they, but they were all made, you have to understand, they were all made in the talking era. Yes, Yet but I'm glad that now. they stayed silent because yes. that City Lights, oh, where mm-hmm. the point, oh, how how pointed it was. The little tramp falls for this lovely blind flower girl. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I mean, what a sweet movie. I mean, just, beautiful. I mean, it just really, really almost broke your heart. Well, it almost broke my heart. Well, I'm he so glad through, you have that on your list, too. He, he goes through anything to raise the money for this girl to have an operation to regain her sight. And she thinks all the while that he's a rich guy, but he's really just a tramp. And then at the very end, when he meets her again and she realizes, without a word spoken, Art of Silent Film, that um, he is the man who really was her benefactor, then you wonder, will she dump him? Will she love him as he loves her? You're left with just this beautiful heart, and your heart is so swollen for this love, and now it it fades out, and you don't know if she's going to accept him or not, but I know she will. We all in our hearts know she will. If they could anyhow get a hold of or look for the Laurel and Hardy, how anything out of the Hal Roach Studios. They, of course, made the features of Harold Lloyd, but, um, oh, another another Keaton, by the way, they should look up is Our Hospitality, which takes place in that kind of Civil War time period also. But Charlie Chase, Laurel and Hardy, uh, they're marvelous films, and anything that came out of, be it silent or sound, from the Hal Road Studios, you know, since they they created the Our Gang, Little Rascals, Charlie Chase and Laurel and Hardy. I mean, they're marvelous films. Well, that, what a list you've given us, uh, Diana. Do you have anything that you would like any silent film that you'd like to add to this list? Please. Um, I'd like to know what you think of the very ambitious John Ford, The Big Trail. Uh, well, it isn't really my type of film. It is It is very good. John Ford was a marvelous director. In fact, for a lot of these film programs I'm doing now, um, a lot of his 
films that he made for Fox that were lost in their nitrate studio fire when the film, their film collection did burst into flame. They don't really exist. Some do exist, and I've been showing some of his early work, such as Surrender and things like that. And um, uh, I think he's marvelous as a director and the fact that he could pull all of this big, big ambition, ambitious, epic production together to tell a very important story in our history. Right. That's a that's a good suggestion to add mm-hmm. to the add to silent yes. our silent movies list. I I would want, uh, although we're talking mostly about comedies, I would want mm-hmm. to add Battleship Potemkin. Uh, it's a Russian film mm-hmm. uh, from 1925. Those Odessa, uh, Odessa steps sequence. Mm-hmm. sequences are, are just jaw-dropping and this happens to be Charlie Chaplin's favorite movie which is certainly not the type of movie that he <laughs> that he was involved in but mm-hmm. I can't believe that we are we are just um <laughs> almost out of time and we've neglected Nikki and the chat room oh, so Nikki. Uh, Nikki now is your time to uh, give us a report and uh, tell us if there are any questions or comments from the chat room that you'd like to share with uh, with John I well, think interestingly is... enough, the room is silent. <laughs> oh. silent. How it's a homage to the. <laughs> I did see. Uh, I did see Comedy Concepts. Uh, Nancy Lombardo, say, who is the host yes. of, of Comedy Concepts on uh, oh. Blog Talk Radio, oh, yeah, yeah. mentioned Lillian Gish. At, um, as one of her favorites, and so I wanted right. to make sure that 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 got. Uh, that that got uh, mentioned, but uh, Nikki, I'm also having trouble with um, seeing how much time we have left. Uh, could you give me a report on that? Uh, yes. Also, too, I, I'm sorry to say that I've never seen a silent film. What? But now, now I've never seen a silent film. You're out. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> You've got to. We've got to get. <laughs> Well, you you must uh, check out uh, some of the films or at I least will. one or two of them and uh, and see and see the artist. Uh, I think that we're we are running out of time. Yeah, and I, Betty, I, I wish that we I wish that we had more time. But Betty I, Joe, may may yes. I add just one thing? Another big fan and really a dear dear friend of mine is George Bettinger who hosts a radio show on Hot Mix 106, the Mom and Pop Show. Oh, we and love the Mom and Pop yes. Show, and he does so much to to help us yes. and to uh, get people interested in some mm-hmm. in uh in the in the oldies but goodies, yes. but I'm going to have to uh to thank you now, John, yeah, for being pleasure. such a terrific guest because we Thanks. are almost out of time and you you just really um Shared so much with us, and and Thank I've you. learned so much, and I'm, I'm just delighted that you could be here. And Thank best you. of luck with all your exciting with all your exciting projects. Thank you. This is this is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for featuring our silent films tribute as one of today's picks. We really appreciate that. Special thanks to Diana for doing such a great job as co-host and to Danny Dyer for finding our intro music as well as to Nikki, our chatters, and other listeners. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. I sure did. 
Please come back next time for a visit with the multi-talented Lucy Arnaz, daughter of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, who will discuss her own showbiz career in films, TV, live theater, and her new CD, Latin Roots. It should be a, another great show. That's all for now, folks. So let's close the show with another listen to Smile, Charlie Chaplin's famous background music for his great silent movie, Modern Times. <laughs> 